Hello and welcome to the 47th British Football Coaches Network episode of the Developing Your Football World podcast. I'm Matt Ward. James McLoon is here with me today. James McLoon, thanks for joining me, mate, and good to talk. It's been probably a couple of weeks now. Uh, what have you been up to, Big J? Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. I was I was getting withdrawal symptoms from uh, not seeing, seeing you, Matt, and not having uh, the chance to speak to our fantastic guests, which uh, brighten our week and get us talking about things we might not otherwise be talking about. Uh, yeah, as you can imagine, football, lots of football, uh, you know, intermittent golf as well, but mostly uh, out on the field or doing some reviews or planning for another session or a game, but yeah, breaking up with the golf and uh, yeah. So very good, Matt. Thanks. Really good. Yeah, when when you did say, as you can imagine, swimming in golf uh, did first crop into my head, but of course football <laughs> is, is squozing in there as well. So no, good, yeah, mate. Yeah. I'm 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 glad you're doing well uh, and keep that golf handicap low as well. All's good. Okay. And today we're joined by someone who doesn't really need an introduction, but that's part of a show. So I'm going to do an introduction. He's a former academy coach, the Spurs. Chelsea. He's also the founding director of mypersonalfootballcoach.com. If you've not heard or seen any of the work which he produces, then you must have been on Mars. It's a massive privilege to have with us today, Sol Isaacson Hurst. Sol, thank you so much for joining us, mate. We know you are a very busy gentleman and it's a pleasure to have someone who's at the top at what they do to join us. Looking forward to the chat so much. How's life in Thailand so far? And just to make people feel happier, have you had any uh, swimming pool or beach time lately? Uh, just come back from the pool about an hour ago because um, it's a stonking hot day as it is every day here. That's what's great about this country is that the sun is out every day. You see the sun shine. So, yeah, it's going really well. Loving it. Love the lifestyle. Love the culture. Uh, it's been, uh, been here for I've been five months nearly. So, yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. Oh, amazing. And, and that's a perfect answer we, we can start with. <laughs> Super stuff. And football-wise, you've been, uh, been able to get out on the grass. I know there's been some intermittent kind of lockdowns and, and whatnot uh, in, in Thailand, especially. Have you been doing a bit out there? Yeah, yeah. I've been pretty busy recently. Uh, the first couple of months, we were actually we, we were in Phuket because Bangkok was locked down. So we stayed there for a couple of months and I was doing some individual stuff with some players down there. And yeah, pretty pretty busy last few months um, doing some team stuff, some individual stuff. So yeah, it's been pretty good. Uh, who are some of the players you you've had the pleasure of working with so far? Doing a lot of stuff with Junior Eldstall, who's actually ironically enough is someone I was working with in England, and he's a Malaysian, uh, English Malaysian or Swedish Malaysian, uh, and just coincidentally enough, he retired from football a couple of years ago and then went back into football and signed for Chombori in Thailand, pretty much the same time as I came out here. So we did some work with him and then a few young players out here in a couple of local clubs as well. Nice, nice. And, and that does show you, you know, yes, football is a huge industry, but it's such a small world. <laughs> so you're someone you'd already previously uh, worked with and, and known, and then he, he comes back into the game and then you're out there doing a bit of work with him again. I mean, that, that just yeah, shows you and shows everyone yeah. that we do have to remember sometimes that uh, you, you never know who you're going to meet again and you never know what's going to come from that. Yeah, I mean, football is, as everyone knows, is a very small world, small industry. And so, oh, yeah, fortunate as us as well, because obviously he'll, you know, trying to establish myself and my brand out here as well. So that'd be good because he's a quite a big name and 
already some some big players have, have asked him to connect me with myself. So they've had a pretty intense season, which is just about finished. Junior's got a cup final um, in, the, in the next week, and then the season's finished for about three months. So hoping to basically do a lot of uh, pre-season or off-season work with a lot of the pro players uh, when they've got that they got a few months off coming up. No, absolutely, and and I can imagine like when when you was out working with Junior, other players walking past or kind of seeing you, I bet they're thinking, you know what, I, I need some of this to keep me ticking over. So Yeah, and, and it's like the power of social media as well. Obviously, we feel, filmed the session and put something on my page, on his page as well, and he had quite a few people, you know, buzz him and say, oh, what's this we're doing here sort of thing. So, yeah, it's good, you know, so hopefully then, you know, we'll some, some of the top players out here want to try and get, you know, improve a bit. How have you been received out there in terms of some of the, the younger players as well? Have they been quite receptive to uh, your, your methods of training? Yeah, you know what? I think the first thing you notice when you get here is that it's a football-obsessed culture, stroke country. Do you know what I mean? They love football. They love the Premier League. Obviously, my experience working at Tottenham and Chelsea and, you know, obviously interests a lot of people and I work with a lot of Premier League players, that sort of thing. So, yeah, they've been really, had a lot of interest and really, you know, open to, to what I'm doing. So it's been a good few months. I think not, not everyone understands countries like Thailand, uh, especially Indonesia, even Vietnam, Malaysia, you know, yes, you may not see them in the World Cup and, and you know, winning trophies in the, in the Asian uh, continent, but they are crazy about football and, and uh, the, the scope is huge out there. Uh, they're all massive followers of the league and the English Premier League as well. Uh, and, and yeah, some foreigners who do go over there may be unknown, but they can make a, a, a good career, a decent career in, in living in, out in Asia. So in terms of uh, other foreign players, have you been able to see any other foreigners out there? Uh, no, not, not as such really, because um, even fitness juniors schedule was challenging enough because they basically, because they had a partial lockdown, they squeezed the rest of the season into a short few months. So they were doing like almost three games a week. Uh, so now the there's quite a few players have contacted me to do stuff. They're going to have a few weeks off and then come back. So they've got a big three month break now until the start of next season. So there'll be a lot more to do. Uh, be pretty busy in, this, in the next few months. Great story about how it's getting started and everything, and how the the impact of working with a player that you might not have. Uh, re Did you realise you were going to run into the, the player again? Is his name Junior? Is well, it? not yet. Well, Junior, I know him. he's a good friend of mine as well. So I knew basically he's he's. Uh, He's a Malaysian international, so he was originally he went to Malaysia when I was still in London, and he was trying to get a club there. And then the, the offer came up in uh, in Thailand. So while I was actually in quarantine, he said, "Oh, look, I've got an offer in Thailand." So it just it was uh, one of those coincidences, really. So lucky as well. And he basically shifted his position. So basically, he was he was a centre midfielder. Uh, he's he's he slipped back into centre back now. So we just he wanted to do a lot of stuff, position specific stuff, to you know work a few on those technical areas to help him out and positional a few little things as well. So just focused a lot on that to help him out. And he's had a really good season. Now he's got basically another call up to the Malaysian um, national team. And he just had a few man of matches and just scored the winning goal in the semi-final the other day, actually, for uh, for, for, for Chumbori. So he's had a really good season, which I'm really happy for him because he obviously retired for a couple of years early, came back to him and he's gone back into the game. He's loved it. And fortunately, he's, he's playing where he belongs at a high level. He he was thinking he was going to hang his boots up and uh, get out on the golf course or do something else. And now well, he's uh, he was, yeah, he was actually back on national duty. Then, yeah, well, I think he was like, you know, he, he, he retired early because it's difficult. Even he said he was basically living in Malaysia. He was, you know, he was born in, in, in London, uh, went to Malaysia, Malaysia, in Johor. So it's quite, you know, it's very different. And he struggled not having the, uh, 
you know, that family structure around him, that sort of thing. He was homesick, basically. So he retired, came back and regretted it. So luckily, you know, he's, got, he's, uh, he's been able to, you know, enjoy the last few years of his career at a high level again. Fantastic. Well, what a great story and a, and a, and a lucky and convenient coincidence that it's going to help uh, kickstart stuff in Thailand for you as well. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing for me. You know, ideal, I'd like to sort of, you know, work with some, some more of the top players out here, maybe try and get into some first team stuff as well. So it's just about improving the network. Yeah, absolutely. So, so just moving on now to uh, my personal football coach. How, how's it going and, and uh, any expansion on the uh, on the club side? I know you're working with a few clubs across the world already. Uh, Wolves being, being one of them, uh, which everyone yeah. knows. Yeah, we've got basically, obviously Arsenal using it. They started, so they've been our recent club. They're doing a really, they've, they've really embraced it. They've got new philosophy there. They're doing a lot more ball mastery from everyone. So it's going down really well. At Arsenal, Wolves have been on it, like you say, for several years. West Brom, Middlesbrough recently joined up. Uh, Bodo Glimpse has been on it for a year as well in Nor Norway, um, Seattle in America, LA Galaxy. And uh, yeah, so the pro clubs, got quite a lot of pro clubs. And obviously then we've got like over 100 grassroots clubs around the world. Quite a lot of uptake in Australia recently. Obviously got FC Bangkok here in Bangkok. And yeah, so just trying to, you know, the challenge is trying to develop here. We just started off as well, the virtual academy now. So now we've got like an actual virtual academy where we've got, you know, students who receive, you know, online content a week, each week, and they get, we have weekly classroom sessions and stuff like that. So just trying to develop that, mate, and keep growing it and obviously stay ahead of the chasing pack because, you know, when you're doing well, you also get a lot of imitators and obviously we get that and that people kind of, you know, rip off, rip off what I do, it's fair enough. So just, just trying to keep on innovating and stay ahead of the crowd, really. So what, what I was going to say uh, be, before you mentioned that, and of course, like you're, you're a top professional and, and, and you wouldn't, I'm sure you wouldn't go into it too deep. Uh, but e even for me, you know, the, the, the kind of work what I do over, over this lockdown, what since, well, lockdown, over since COVID started, what, over a year now, I, I never thought, I had a feeling what was going to happen, but I never foresaw the actual uh, brute force of it but the amount of people for example past clients members people I work with which have basically uh, tried to uh, well let's just say it outright take a lot of my ideas and a lot of my work what I've been doing uh, with no remorse whatsoever uh, and then I always think about you because the amount of one-to-ones and look I'm not saying that no one's allowed to do it and of course of course you are but just the amount of new companies what have been formed New one-on-one -on -one yeah. coaches which appeared out of nowhere. Uh, and I, I always have a little chuckle to myself and I'm thinking, okay, the good thing is you're proven for, what, since 2014, my personal football coach has been out now. You're working for Arsenal Wolves all across the world. And I always wonder if you have a, a not so much a, a chuckle, but you always think, bloody hell, yeah, you know, every, everyone's, you got to keep on your game because everyone's starting something new and, and trying to compete. Yeah, I think, listen, the one-to-one like -one market, you know, the individual coaching market is a saturated market. Like I say, every man and his dog is doing it, which is fair enough. So, like, you know, my USP, obviously, is that, you know, I've been doing it for nearly 20 years now and I work with pros and Premier League players and beginners, that sort of thing. But, you know, it's about, that's why I say just trying to innovate and that's why I, I started my personal football coach to take that to the next level to make it virtual, give you, like, a remote, you know, uh, digital offering and then, you know, still then people try and rip that off, you know, have a software company, you basically, you know, completely tried to rip it off and the people I know I work with colleagues at old clubs trying to mimic what I do so yeah that's that's, that's human nature really so makes sense and you know you could argue you know if, if you're not you know if people aren't trying to 
rip you off. You're not doing something right anyway. So it's, it's come to the territory. So the challenge is, is to just stay ahead of the game and, you know, and make sure you can show people the separates of why I'm different as a coach or why my personal football coach is, a, and is different. And I think people can try and rip it off, replicate, but they can't rip me off. They can't replicate me or my experiences or my track record or, you know, my 20 years in the game, my experience working in the top academies as an individual specialist, that sort of thing. So you can be a big software company or you can be a club and stick a badge on it. Do you know what I mean? Look, some people see through it, so do you know what I mean? No, that, absolutely, and especially when when you are judged by the work you uh, you've done and, and what you're doing uh, as as yourself. You know, you you've worked with English English Youth World Cup winners. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Max Aaron's uh, is he still at Norwich City? I think Norwich yeah, yeah. get promoted about, against yeah. the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. For, for now, went away. Uh, yeah. Marcus, how do, you, uh, how do you pronounce his, his uh, surname? McGrain, Marcus McGrain? Yeah, Marcus yeah. McGrain, Tyrese John Jules, or Joshua Kekron. Uh, loads of them. But like, it's like, um, it's funny because I saw one and on. It's another coaching platform. You know, they, they started doing individual stuff. But it's like, you know, fair enough, it's just a couple of like, it's just a random, you know, coaching company from somewhere else. It's just like, well, what, you know, I'm not being funny. Like, why would, you know, what were these guys? Do you know what I mean? It's like, they're supposed to be individ individuals. You're showing, you're, and then you're trying to show some individual coaching speciality on your platform. You've got at least you've got a couple of just, you know, a couple of just, you know, randoms on there basically. Do you know what I mean? So that's a, that's a difference. So, you know, and I think people see through it at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I was going to start something tomorrow, but all I've got around me is tennis courts and basketball courts. <laughs> I'm not going to be out there doing uh, doing anything to compete there. So yeah, uh, I, I'll stick to a bit of swimming in the swim pool. I think. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm just enjoying your motivational boxing videos I see every day. <laughs> yeah, I like and, a bit uh, of boxing. <laughs> so in, in terms of some of the, the, the players you just, uh, you just named there, I mean, yeah, I, I've seen players play live. I've obviously worked with uh, top-tier clubs, but possibly not at the, the, the level that some of these players that you work with uh, are at. I've, I've not actually been on the, uh, within a few yards of them while they've been working or coaching them. How how can you see that you know they're a different level of player? You know what what, what do you see in them as soon as you start working with them and, and a few of the technical parts that you work with them? Yeah, it's, it's, like, when you're working like with the top end players, it's it's I mean you just it's the cliche marginal gains really I suppose. So you know you come together and you know obviously they've made the decision to come and to to add value to to what they do. So you discuss it, you know, as a position-specific thing, you talk about their positions. So, you know, for Max, for example, we've been doing it for many years, but, you know, as a, as a right-back, you know, understanding what's going to make him stand out. And for, like, since he was 14, we've been working on his... He was used to be a, a attacking midfielder, so he always worked on his 1v1 ability. And that's, and that's you know, his 1v1 strategies and his tactics and his techniques, obviously. So, you know, that I still see... When I watch him, you know, I see clips of him, I still see the stuff we worked on all those years ago and we've managed to get into his game. So... In answer to the question, when players come to see me, you know, it's just generally that they might want to work on a particular thing. I'll say, look, this is as a position, this is going to make you stand out. These are the sort of the areas you've got to do. And then we try and break those down into microcosmic examples of the game, if you like, just the individual unique parts. A bit like, you know, the American, American sports where you really break down each, each part and just like sort of re repeat it. So it looks different to all sorts of players. Like some, you know, for example, like Joshua Kekrin is like, he, you know, he's, he can be like, like uh, when you watch him, maybe when you train, you know, he can be, he's not like an easy on the eye. He can be like, you know, he's like, he's not like, he doesn't not necessarily dynamic. He doesn't really necessarily move well, but he's just in a game, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's like a, you know, he's like a Rolls Royce, do you know what I mean? Strange. So 
all players look different and you know and sometimes you know you just got to, you got to, that's why it's important to work with the individual and you know understand you know what their unique strengths are and what they want to get better at now just go back to kind of uh, imitating in in imitators this is something you can't you can't just blag right if if a top pro somehow you you know them through a family member or something comes to you because they know that you're a, a coach and you work somewhere not not you in particular but someone random as in me and say hey hey Matt oh you got your A license can you do a bit of uh, a, a bit of technical work with me okay right yeah I'm I'm normally a centre mid but I want to I have to drop back into left back or full back position I wouldn't I wouldn't know where to start really of course I'd have to do as much research and everything, but it's not something you can just blag and go, oh yeah, let's meet up tomorrow. We can go through some stuff. So, you know, the, the experience you gain from working at Spurs, from working in Chelsea, from all the players, all the quality players you've been working with, this is now, you know, slowly built the platform to, to where you are now, the quality of work you produce now. And for sure, it's, it, it can't be replicated by uh, not too many, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So it, I, I just take it as uh, 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 Paul McGuinness, who's uh, ex-Man United now, the FA shooter, made a good point in one of the courses. He's, one the, one, he's been a, one of the best coach educators I've ever worked with. He talked about, you know, when as the more experience you get, you see patterns in the game, patterns and movements. And that might be patterns in terms of, you know, player development cycles, what players look like when they're younger, how they get older. But I just see the way players move. And I remember even as a youngster, looking at players like, Keith Gillespie, a real unique way he moved as a wide player, Burkamp as a 10 and being a, quite a Littman and as a 10 and having this bit of obsession about how players moved and Beardsley and stuff like that. So it's obviously, you know, developed into how I work and how I look at things. It's all about, you know, especially when I work with younger players, how they move and try and make it more dynamic and more efficient with the ball and, you know, and try and find that. So in answer to your question, yeah, I mean, I, I think over the 20 years, you just see things in terms of, how players moving and how maybe you can support them and, you know, in, in improving that and getting them. Like I say, I, you know, my philosophy is called dynamic ball mastery because it's all about supporting players with their movement and making them a little bit more sharper. And now, you know, for someone at the top end like Max, that might just be that little tiny, tiny little bit. So I'm starting out and they beginning a the journey. That's going to be a very, very big obvious bit, if that makes sense. But it's just trying to really, you know, fine tune the players' movement with the ball. I mean, you, you just mentioned some names like... <laughs> Look, I, I know a, a lot of the younger coaches aren't, aren't probably going to know or kind of have heard the name but not actually seen any footage, but Peter Beersley, you know, players like that. Do you think they was given enough credit at the time uh, with their ability? I mean, if some of these players were involved in the game now, it'll be highlighted every match, every match. Look at this, look yeah. at this, what they did here. But at the time, I guess the focus wasn't really on that individual school, uh, skill or maybe we just took it for granted. Yeah, I think, well, I think, yeah, just the way English football used to be. So look at Beardsley, right? He really was, you know, like uh, England's original number 10, wasn't he, really? Played as a 10, you know, in the World Cup and, you know, the 86 World Cup, played with Lineker. That was when, you know, Haiti started and Beardsley came and they came really successful. So, but, the, you know, English football's got that, that old style, you know, even still now people are like, you know, Fancy Dan, or, you know, all just these tricks and... This, and that's really winds me up when people say, oh, look, he's got these tricks and stuff. Well, it's not tricks. They're just like functional skills like anything else. If I can beat a player with a skill, it's the same thing able to pass over a long distance or a short distance or header or whatever. So once it's confronting the stigma around, you know, these, you know, these playground players, as we call it, you know, and saying, oh, they should, you know, whereas you know, back in the day, it'd be like, oh, yeah, got, you know, English football is basically just stick it in the mixer or, you know, get up and at them, you know, a bit of crash bang wallop. You know, we celebrate a diving header save more than, you know, someone being three or four players. <laughs> So now we've slowly 
been dragged into the modern game, you know, by Gareth Southgate and Dan Ashworth and the English, you know, with our national teams. Finally, we, we play a modern brand of football. So, you know, we, we, we are producing more and more of these type technical players. You've showed in Sancho's and Bellingham's and stuff like that. So they're pretty much, you know, they're becoming even more regular. But yeah, I think back in the day, you look at Hoddle and Beardsley and these sorts of players where, you know, we're never really given the, you know, the, uh, the, the prestige or the, what, what they should have deserved, really. Was, was Joe Cole born a little bit too early? I think Cole, I don't know Joe Cole. I went to my school, actually, fair enough. But yeah, I don't know if he's born too, maybe too early. And I think maybe uh, work, you know, he was very successful, had a great career. But maybe, you know, like I said, if he was in, if he was in Spain or something, you know, he would have, they would have built a team around him maybe. And maybe working under Josie Mourinho probably wasn't, wasn't one that probably wasn't going to, you know, uh, induce the best, most creativity out of him. Do you know what I mean? loads of great questions what I would say is on what you we're talking about here in terms of maybe move transferring over to Thailand and I'm not sure Saul if this is a permanent move or it's just something that you're doing for a period of time um, working with individual players within the Premier League how do you think the or how has it been uh, the club reception to the idea because I'm um, having worked in Asia for for about well, for a long time now, before even before I came to Vietnam, there isn't, as far as I can see, that specific role that exists within clubs at the minute. It's all mostly down to the head coach or assistant coach to, to develop um, players in an individual manner, but within a team collective. How is has the, how's the reception been of clubs? You know, been in, interested or yeah, just well, general in, in England or in Thailand? Well, both. I'll give you both anyway. Um, England is still. I think it's. I think it's only now in England becoming acceptable, or you know, people. There's more. There's you know, there's more individual coaches being working with players. So Sheffield United have one, although he has a S&C background. But Sheffield United have one, and uh, I think Southampton just employed a couple with the twenty threes and eighteen. So uh, I mean, the clubs didn't necessarily like what I was doing uh, when I was doing it because they want to control everything, which is fair enough. Um, but like one of my clients said, he plays Premier League. Obviously, I can't. Some of my clients, I can't. I don't because obviously they come to me anonymously. They don't want the clubs to know. He just said the same thing. You know, if I want to do extra, is like you know the one of the coaches will stay out after. But it's like it's not that much thought put into it. So my you know skill set, my my experience can you know design sessions which are game specific. You know, lead to transference and that sort of thing. So that's my specialism. In terms of Asia, I don't know yet so far. So I mean, the the, uh, the owner of Trimbori was very keen to meet me, and I was working with Junior. Um, but you know, it's, it's, we'll see. Basically, so you know, I'm available if anyone wants to contact me for for work. I've got my boots and we'll travel, as they say. Excellent. Let's get the telephone number out there. Got, got uh, boots, <laughs> we'll travel. <laughs> <laughs> Driving license full. Uh, exactly. No, uh, no penalty points. Uh, just to, to continue a little bit down that line is, it is interesting to hear what what you're saying in terms of even clubs in, as we're saying, in the UK. Uh, not sure about the rest of Europe, uh, how, in terms of how much football's developed in the last even 10 years, are still a little bit um, evasive to a coach with, su with such an ability to be able to influence players to make the team better, are still kind of standoffish going, ooh, but I'm not sure, this, that might make me look bad or that, that might impact. And it's a really weird kind of psychological approach to it because an individual a specialist individual coach coming in to make a player better, which will make the team better, just would be as would be something that me myself as a coach would be like, yeah, excellent. Come on, you're really good at this. 
I need you to come in and help my player. And I think there's still a little bit of an issue in football whereby it's different in the most successful business in the world is you surround yourself with people who can do things that you can't do that are going to help the business or help the football team. It's just a really strange idea. And I think that we've still got a long way to go. So, yeah. That yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, I think it's like a cult, cultural thing as well. And, you know, that sort of old adage about old dogs, new tricks, maybe, I'm not sure. But, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of, a lot of people just don't see the value. They say, why, do you got, why, why are you doing anything not in team, team orientated stuff. I mean, they can't get their head around it, maybe. Same with why, you know, and then obviously you've had you know, this ongoing debate about, you know, games, 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 condition, game specific training, isolated training, that sort of thing. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, all the pros will work away from the game, will work individual stuff. So my job's just there to help accelerate that learning and just make it a little bit easier and obviously, you know, hopefully make it a little bit more efficient and effective. Yeah, because that, as you say, the closer you get to the top, the marginal gain, the 1%, they're the most important aspects. And, yeah, and also, and, and what you notice as well is that, you know, the, um, you know, players are, you know, like surrounded in cotton wool, if you like, you know what I mean, in terms of loading and there was word, but are they doing enough? And the majority of players say they don't think they're doing enough. Do you know what I mean? You know, they, everyone does more anyway. So, you know, but that's, but, you know, like I say, that's why clubs want to control everything, you know, and all those, you know, so all those variables are under their one roof sort of thing, which is fair enough. I can see that. So maybe that's, you know, but I think, you know, we're heading in, in the right direction where more, and more individual coach. Alan Russell, who works with the FA, is an individual striker coach, works with, you know, the England team with Southgate. He's just gone to uh, Aberdeen as well. So, you know, people like that are obviously, you know, obviously making, making waves and showing things what are possible, basically. Absolutely. Fantastic. So, in, in, in your opinion, and, and kind of just on this topic, um, is there a future for kind of specialism in, let's say, a uh, final third coach, although you could just call it an attacking coach or yeah, a, a pressing coach? Uh, or should a coach just be kind of specialised in as many areas as possible to be more employable or, or useful for a club? And look, I know yeah. a lot of ego comes into play as well. If you're a head coach, you don't want three other coaches which can do something better than you. I, I don't care, but personally, uh, uh, there are others which don't want a lot of people around them who are better at certain things than them. Yeah, definitely. I think that the FA have been like, you know, unfortunately after COVID, they've they've had to you know reel back some of the the advances they made. But they had like in possession coaches, out of possession coaches. Like Aaron Danks was top draw and he was delivering on my license last year as an in possession coach. And then out possession coaches, they're like, yeah, I think specialism coaching is the way to go. Like, you know, a defensive coach, like say a pressing coach, you know, someone who's real, real now you've got that guy who's the throwing coach now, isn't he? Working for Liverpool and a few clubs, Thomas, I can't remember his name, the Danish guy, I think. So yeah, I think that's definitely the future. Because like you say, all clubs want to get that little bit more, that little bit much, that little squeak, those little bit extra like, marginal gains. It's the difference between, you know, and the could be difference between one or two points and winning the league or getting relegated or not getting relegated. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair point. Now, absolutely. And uh, James, how how do you think uh, more kind of individual uh, technical coaching or one-on-one -on -one coaching would work out in in Vietnam in the in the pro scene? I know, look, I know it's almost impossible to get involved in the in the V League there because you've got to know someone's brother of the auntie of the uncle's dog. But if if it was a bit more open, do you think it would be well received there? See, yeah, I think that. As countries develop uh, economically, the, also the football environment develops, and you know Vietnam's on a on a fast track to Asia's most powerful economy, and mm. things are opening up in terms of the football. Things are being highlighted. 
but it does it just it just depends who's in charge like for example many and I, th- I think you'll probably find the same in, in Thailand and Malaysia especially Vietnam a lot of the, the people who are the the leaders in the clubs the head coaches are of a of a certain age they're of a, a certain development era whereby no they wouldn't see the value and they would see it as a threat to what they do so they probably wouldn't embrace it but as younger coaches are, are developing into the into those roles i do believe that there is an openness there is an understanding that players aren't all robots and they do need certain different aspects to how how they can develop and for me it's a no brainer you know if you can bring somebody in who can teach your you might be saying this one thing to your fullback we keep mentioning fullbacks but they are you know, really important in the modern game that you're saying we need you to do this we need you to do that we need you to do this and you know they're a good technical player and you know they've got all the attributes to do it but they can't get it right someone else coming in who's going to work with the player to, to you know to get those results is, is going to be really important but it yeah, I would say it will be received, but it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of people and it's not going to be well received in all clubs. But eventually, I think when, as you say, you know, clubs see the benefit in terms of league positions, in terms of qualifying for AFC, in terms of closing the margin on, on other countries around, yeah, it will be well received. But it just depends. You've got to fight the right battles and identify the right people to pitch it to because... There's no point pitching it to the 74-year-old coach who's going to be like, what are you talking about? We're doing, we're doing shuttle runs and box runs and anything that involves running for the next week before the game. So It's all about the pitch, I guess, and pitch it to the right people. <laughs> Especially when you've got the, in Asia, you've got the general manager who's on the sidelines smoking, thinking he can do a better job, which is oh, really yeah. difficult to, to overcome. So just the back team. to you. My personal football coach, uh, we have a lot of coaches uh, across the world listening. Uh, good for us, good for them. So if they wanted to get something out of mypersonalfootballcoach.com, uh, what's on offer for them? Like what, yeah, so what can they get yeah. from going on and, and what, can they, uh, what can they use? Yeah, so we have, different, so we have sort of three different sort of avenues. We've got the player-based products. And then we've got the club-based product. We've mentioned then we also have a coaching product. So basically we've got the coaches pass, which is a subscription-based thing where every week they get a video of a live session from around the world, myself or coaches from all the you know, Premier League academies or pro clubs from all around the world. So we film sessions. I mean, every week we release a video part of the session. So we're doing that. And we've been, even through lockdon we, we can we've kept consistently releasing content. So every week they receive, they receive that. So it's quality content based with hundreds of like videos of drills and skills or for example team sessions or it might be you know there's ball mastery activities there's 1v1 skills there's technical different skills so it's a one-stop shop for coaches there and we also got a um a, a level one coaching course as well called uh, you know the, the my personal coach level one which is based an introduction into ball mastery 1v1 and small-sided games like i say the, the three sort of pillars of like the best academies in the world have these three key pillars and you know their technical foundations of so they can learn a bit more about that. So um, yeah, they can go and check it out. Seven day money back guarantee, free trial as well. If you can try, if you not don't like it, you can get your money back. So they can they can try and steal everything in seven days, 
uh, <laughs> if they need longer, they're going to have to pay for it. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> very, very well worth it. And, and ladies and gents uh, listening, now it's mypersonalfootballcoach.com, mypersonalfootballcoach.com. Get on it because yeah. as you can hear, you will be getting everything you need from a, a, a very highly rated professional. Uh, so just to, to, to finish off uh, before we go now, um, if there are any other countries that you could, uh, should I say, break into or, or work with in terms of country, nations, clubs, uh, have you got any on your on your radar or have you got any any planned trips when, when the flights open up again as normal? Uh, well, I mean, we're in Southeast Asia, so I think it's the, the plans to sort of, you know, see how we get on here. And I've got sort of clients already I work with in Singapore and Hong Kong. So, you know, we used to travel a lot anyway as part of the world pre-moving here, pre-COVID. So, yeah, just try to sort of see if we can get established here and then, you know, see how we can do getting into the Southeast Asian football market, basically. Sounds good. Beautiful part of the world. I think it's a fantastic idea and I think it will benefit Southeast Asian football. I think the, the opening remarks were that we don't see enough Southeast Asian participants or competitors in, on the world stage. They're probably not as highly ranked as they could be. Um, but that is just a case of environment development and improving the improving what what's on offer. So let's hope that you know Saul, you've been in the region and another developments that hopefully are going to occur that we can uh, we can all work to change that. We all are in Southeast Asia or South South Asia. So let's, let's all uh, hope for for better things moving forward. Hundred percent, Jens. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you both. And look after Absolutely. yourselves. Keep them boots in the car on the way to the airport because you never know when they may be needed. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> <laughs>